0: Ontario Attorney General Doug Downey joining us. Good to have you, Minister. I know it's been, uh, it's busy in your world but in quite a different way because I think what has opened our eyes during this crisis is that uh, COVID-19 has exposed a pretty archaic system that is in great need of um, modernizing. Where do you see the inefficiencies that need to be improved?
1: there are so many spaces that we can improve things and and this goes back to my experience as a as a private practice lawyer and and before that even i, w- I was a court registrar before i went to law school and so i've seen the system uh, clunk along <laughs> for many years and and i even in december I, w- I was referring to it as pioneer village you know there 96% of the transactions are on paper and we have just not brought the system up to current current standards but now we're we're in a space where everybody is accepting that we need to do it so the judiciary the private bar uh the ministry was poised for it um everybody's now doing their part to to bring us up to up to
0: current standards okay that could take a, 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 quite a while i mean i worked in the court systems as a reporter for 20 years and um you know in, in a city like toronto world-class city and place like canada everything moved at a glacial pace and so what we found is that you know years later We've got delay after delay, and we're seeing that there is a cost in society when we get these kinds of delays. And so, where are we going to see immediate changes? Because what we have seen during this crisis is that things like bail hearings, things like, um, you know, have been carried out by cell phone with lawyers in cars trying to negotiate, um, you know, details on a, on a release. And so it can be done it's just the system's not set up so are we going to see more technology as far as video that we can expedite some of these things in the future
1: we aren't waiting we aren't waiting at all we we've already brought technology into into this space so that we're doing bail hearings remand hearings uh, remotely we're not having to move individuals to the physical courthouse to do it we're having uh, all the parties uh, come together virtually to, to make things happen. We had a divisional court hearing last week uh, which actually increases access to justice. People can go on YouTube and see it happen. Um, there's a lot of really exciting things, but the most important part is we have the justice partners who recognize that this needs to happen. And Chief Justice Morowitz, so at Superior Court, uh, was on a modernization committee before he was the Chief Justice. so. We have partners. It's just a moment in time where these Uh things have come together and we have people who understand. We know what the problem is. We now have to move to solution-based and that's what we're doing. Uh, We started that before this happened and this is now expediting it.
0: Okay, so are you telling me that, you know, gone are the days that we have to wait for inmates to be brought in and then get delayed because the jail guards are on a break and it takes up two, three hours, and then the matter's put over for another couple of hours because someone didn't show up? Are all those little tiny procedural matters going to be kind of taken out of the courts and then put on a different system so that we can move that kind of, I don't want to call it sludge, but the procedural stuff, that will all go into a different category now?
1: Everybody knows there's a better way. Everybody knows there's a faster way. There's a more efficient way. And we're, we have tables set up that are operating now, uh, backed up by groups within the ministry to uh, expedite and implement change. So you're going to see change top to bottom, not just, not just how we do things, but actually questioning why we do things. There, there are parts of the system that we do because there was a reason 30, 40 years ago. That reason doesn't exist anymore. So everything's on the table. And we have to stay with core principles. We want to make sure that, that an accused has a proper uh, representation, has a proper day in court. Uh, there are sacrosanct things, but it doesn't mean you can't change the other parts.
0: No. And so the, the other thing that we've experienced in, in this shutdown is that, you know, hundreds, thousands across the country of jury trials have been put on hold we were already delayed by months and months. And as you well know, the court ruling in 2016 made it so that you know if someone's not before the courts within I think 18 uh, months of uh, being charged, those cases can be tossed out. Here we have cases now that have been put off by months further um, you know, clogging the system. So we're looking at possibly hundreds of cases that could be tossed out. Is there something being done to make sure that those who have been charged with serious, serious crimes are not going to be able to jump through these loopholes because of of a crisis that no one anticipated?
1: There are two parts to that question. And and the one part is, are we doing something? Yes, we're doing something right now. We're having conversations today and yesterday, and we'll have them again tomorrow. Every single day we're having conversations. We know what's coming down the pipe, and we're preparing for that. The second part is, are those cases in jeopardy under the Jordan decision? Mm -hmm. Uh, there's commentary within the Jordan decision about unnecessary delay, unavoidable delay. So it's going to be up to the judges ultimately. So I, I don't want to pr- talk about, you know, what my mm-hmm. opinion is on that. It'll ultimately be up to the judges on whether the system is operated to the best of its ability to, to not cause delay. And, and I'll, I'll leave it there, but we're very, very aware that there are a lot of people who uh, need their day in court and they need it in a, in an appropriate
0: time frame. All right. And the other issue is that there are new guidelines. As you know, the premier announced today, everyone, as we get back to business, the new norm does not exist. There are going to be a whole bunch of rules that we all have to play with. And there's going to be an awful lot of jury trials, hopefully, getting back in play. How do you have a jury trial um, with social distancing rules in place? And how is this going to affect movement around the courtrooms? As you well know, courtrooms get very busy, and the public has a right to come in and see what's going on. So, how's that going to affect the court process?
1: So I, I was having a conversation earlier today with the Attorney General from Alberta and, and what they're doing. And they're, they're assessing whether they have courtrooms big enough to be able to maintain that social distancing, to keep the safety uh, and, and still perform the same function. I think we're all going to have to do that. We're all going to have to look at what resources we have to, to allow that to move forward.
0: Okay. I mean, it's an important issue because, you know, you don't want these technicalities getting those who are charged with uh, offenses to be able to jump through these, you know, loopholes and use it to their advantage. But will there be a push maybe to do more judge alone procedures? I mean, you can't tell someone who's, uh, you know, uh, accused of a crime, you know, if they want to do a jury or judge trial, but it would certainly alleviate a lot of problems if we had more judge alone uh, procedural matters.
1: There's certainly an, an argument to say that judge alone matters are faster. Uh, they don't take as much time, uh, depending on the issue, of course. Uh, but often that election is, is up to the accused. So it's, it's not something that I can mandate and say, you can't have that. Uh, that's not the way our system's built. And that would take a, a change at the federal level, which, mm-hmm. uh, again, isn't some... We're not at a space yet where we're talking about that kind of fundamental change to the rights that have existed for individuals for hundreds of years. Although we have changed things that have happened for hundreds of years. Virtual wills can now be done. A lawyer can can do a will, have somebody executed virtually. And that changes law that's been in place for 600 years. So we are tackling long-term, big-ticket items.
0: Just, I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit, but I want to ask this question on behalf of Justine Ellis, who I've had on my show a couple of times of late. She's going to be uh, going to a parole hearing, or she wants to be able to go to a parole hearing. The man who killed her husband uh, in a drunk driving accident um, two years ago is trying to get early release because of the COVID-19. She, just like Jennifer Neville Lake and so many other victims of these tragedies, wants a chance to have a say. Do you believe that, You know, obviously you've got the background for this, but a lot of these victims don't believe they have a voice in our system. What would you say to someone like Ms. Ellis?
1: What I, what I would say to Miss Ellis is, and, and you know that I can't wade into a particular, into a particular right. file, but I can tell you what I want from the profession, from the justice partners, but also from the public and from people who have, who have had interaction with the system is I want their stories and their input because it's one thing to, to build a system built on theory We need to understand how it impacts individual lives. And so I I would encourage Ms. Ellis to to participate in this process as we move through change so that we understand how change would impact her situation.
0: I very much appreciate your uh, joining us. I know you've got a heck of a job ahead of you, but if you are the guy who can speed up the justice system, then hats off to you. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much.